Alex. Guckste, hörste, klickste. Mittwoch, 20 Uhr. Dear listeners and welcome to Burlesque on Air, the worldwide first burlesque radio show with my lovely co-host Lada Redstar. Hello, Lada. Hello, my dear Suzanne. We are back like every month with more and more adventures from the legends, from the burlesque stars of the golden era of entertainment. Yeah, and let me know, Lada, how are you? I've heard that you have a TV show running, huh? There's a great news, my dear listeners. You're not only going to be able to listen to me, but you're also going to be able to look at me in a brand new TV show, the first TV show about retro culture and lifestyle. And of course, it's going to be screened on Alex TV every month and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash that's vintage TV. So stay tuned for more news and for more, no for more infos. And only a few days are separating us from the first episode of That's Vintage. But let's go back to Burlesque on Air now. Yeah, Lada, we have a fabulous guest again today. Who is it? So this is a very special guest for us because she was born in Berlin. So she is actually a German burlesque performer that went to live in the United States in 1957 and uh, she became an absolute superstar. She was the most photographed pinup of 1959. She was in over 75 man magazines. She had more than 25 covers of ma magazines, etc, etc, etc. I mean, she was the pinup of the pinups. Long legs, beautiful boobs and amazing amazing sweetheart face. I mean, you cannot ask for more than that in a woman. Mm. And her name is Delilah Jones. And we're going to have her today in the show sharing with us her adventures from the past, her amazing, wonderful story and her strength and her love for life. Yeah, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And yeah, let's start. So, of course, mm -hmm. as every month, we're going to have a very special guest in our, t uh, in our radio show, which is Satan's Angel. Every month, she tells us the inside stories uh, mm -hmm. of the, from straight from the backstages of the clubs in the 50s and in the 60s. But before that, just a little reminder, our dear friends, follow us on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash air. And yeah, there you can find all the links to our videos and our former radio shows. And we have a great news. We are getting modern and we are launching our website www.burlesqueonair.com next week. So stay tuned. Check our Facebook page. You're going to find all the infos there. And yes, we are growing. We're going to become a podcast. We believe in it. So just follow us in our adventures. And of course, as every month, we are going to start this episode with interviewing our legend, our favorite queen of all, Satan's Angel. Welcome back to Burlesque on Air. Like every month, we are so proud and happy to have you with us. And I am so proud and happy and honored that you picked me to be your special five to 15 minute guest. My darling, how is your life going nowadays? Good. You know, I'm an old broad. Some days are good, some days are bad. Yeah, Opened but... Opened up my little dance studio, so now I can teach when people come in. I'm very close to Vegas and Los Angeles. A couple hours ride, and here you are. I'm very happy about that. Still putting a little decorations up, but... Exactly. It's ready. So to all of our listeners, the big news of the month is that Satan's Angel has her own private studio where you can get private lessons, eyes to eyes with Satan's Angel and touch her magnificent gowns and capes and of course learn her magic techniques, her, the secrets of her moves and eventually, if you're a really, really good student, maybe the fire tussle twirling, right? Oh, absolutely. All right. So, my darling, as you might know, in this episode, we are going to interview 
a super hot, long legged, hot pinup cover girl. Yes, you're, I can see that your tongue is already falling She's down gorgeous. the ground. You're, gorgeous. You already know. Still gorgeous. Still gorgeous. The wonderful Delilah Jones. Yay. Yay! So I know that you have worked in the same clubs. You have sort of started burlesque at the same time. Uh, she started two years before you. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your experiences together. Well, as I probably mentioned before, you know, I had left San Francisco because I knew that I could make more money and be a bigger star in burlesque if I went to Las Vegas. So I, I just was so busy working on, you know, a club right next door to each other, 25, 30 clubs in North Beach in San Francisco. I thought Vegas was like that. Boy, did I have a surprise when I got there with all these big, you know, Caesars Palace and blah, da And so I got a job. There was uh, North Las Vegas and Las Vegas is two different cities. North Las Vegas is a little more open. Where Vegas, you had to be, un, you had to have uh, the bottom of your breast covered plus pasties. Whereas North Las Vegas, you could do pasties. And eventually, I think at the both clubs, they went nude. Wow. Uh, yeah. Which year was But that was, when they started getting nude? Going nude? Well, I, I have nothing against nude. I think nude is beautiful. Yes. I just don't want you to put one leg on the East Coast and one leg on the West Coast, and I'm, I, I can see your whole vagina, you know? I, I'm a lesbian. I would be the first one that wants to see it, but not really. I don't want to see you taking your fingers and pulling it apart and sticking things in there, ping pong balls and shooting it out, making a basket and all that. What? what? That's... Do that with your old man or your old lady or something, you know what I mean? I don't want to see that. I want to be teased and tantalized and tortured. I want me. I want that girl on stage to make me, whether I'm a man or a woman, I want to, I want to be drooling and thinking about her when I go home and if I had her in bed, you know, and how she teased me so much and she didn't take it off and she didn't really show anything, you know? That's what I always loved. And... When I first met Delilah Jones, uh, she uh, she was very beautiful. And if you notice that little picture I sent of you, you know, I sent of us together, she is the more exotic of the three of us. You know, I'm clowning around doing something, and the cocktail waitress is standing there, and there's the gorgeous Delilah Jones and all her splendor and her beauty. You know, she was always classy. And she was like a lot of us girls... We worked in those two clubs. Well, there actually was three. I forgot the other one's name. But uh, we worked in the gay 90s and the Palomino. We didn't care what we did because we lived in Las Vegas and we were tired of being on the road and we wanted to stop for a couple of months. So if you the light man didn't show up, he was up there running the lights. Or if the cocktail waitresses didn't show up, you know. I wasn't working or something. They'd call me and say, can you cocktail? And I'd say, sure. I didn't care, you know. It wasn't above me. I mean, it's money coming in. It's paying my rent, you know. And Delilah did a lot of that, too. Really? And Delilah's problem was when I met her in the 68 or 9, maybe 70 at the most, she was from Germany. And even though California wasn't as prejudiced uh, as some of the other states in the United States, She was still from Germany, and boy, did they give her a hard time. And she was a very strong and very beautiful woman. She had beautiful wardrobe, a gorgeous body, uh, kind of the, the way I like it, you know, just the perfect tatas, the perfect waist, the perfect butt. And she was just gorgeous, and she was so, so nice. And she just let everything just shrug off. She just didn't care. And she was such a heavy accent, you know, half the time when she'd be talking to you, you're like, huh? What? You know, couldn't understand her because she'd say, and you were like, I, I, I want to what, what, what? You know, I'm sorry, my, 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 my accent, you know, whatever. She was just an absolute, absolute, absolute sweetheart. And I'll tell you, and I don't care if any of them legends out there like to hear it or not. 
they're jealous of her. Oh! Yes, they are. A lot of them are jealous. Because every single time, I don't care what country you were in, if you were in South America, Europe, whatever, if she didn't pose for at least 2,000 magazines, you know how many I pose for? I can count on one hand. (laughs) She was gorgeous. And she could be, she puts up pictures almost every day on Facebook. You never see the same picture twice. And now she wrote a book about her life and is working on a second one. There you go. How to work it. Fabulous human being. Wonderful soul. I love her very much. Unstoppable. So just a little bit to, yeah, to talk about the foreign performers in the United States. So not only from Germany, but as well from elsewhere. How were they treated? What was the situation of, let's say, immigrant burlesque performers in the United States back in the days? Well, and I, you know, she was such a sweet girl. I don't know, you know, because I wasn't her. But when I worked with... If we had women from Cuba that came in, or somebody came in from Germany, or um, Spain or something, or Czechoslovakia, you know, something, anything to do with war or bad political something, they they were just a, a body up there, you know, and a lot of those girls had to go through the back door just like the rest of us, you know, the the Asians, the African-Americans, the, the queers, as they call them today. The le- I was a lesbian. And, and foreign women. Foreign. I mean, if you look at a movie today, uh, an old movie, they have white Caucasian actors, actresses, uh, made up like Asians, yeah. made up like black people. You know what I mean? And usually when there was a movie that had anything to do with Germany, it was all bad. We were the good guys. We won, you know, and all that. But <clears throat> so I don't really know. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really know how she was actually treated when she traveled on the road. But wherever she worked, once they knew her, she was so loved. I mean, she went to work at some place down in Southern California. I don't know, the Body Shop, the Largo, one of those places. And they just kept her for life, you know. <laughs> don't don't leave us, you know. Don't leave us. We love you, you know. But there is was always that, you know. There's always jealousy and politics, and I think when you hear today how lovely and sweet she is, and how wonderful, and she's probably going to talk to you in your yes. native tongue, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I I know I beat her Zane and. Uh, <laughs> I know what to call my dog a hunter, you know what I mean? I don't know, you know, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I worked in Germany in the 60s. What do I know? She's a lovely girl. Lovely. I'm so honored and proud that you picked her, you know, to come on your radio show. We are very excited. We are very excited to have her on Burlesque on Air. So you are going to unfortunately leave you, my darling Satan's angel. In order- I love everybody. I will see you next month. Yes. Well, I will hear you next month. Definitely. All my love to all my baby little leapings <laughs> out there. And I love you so much, Lotta. Th- Thank you. And congratulations, you movie star on your television show. Ah, thank oh. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll talk next month, of course. And maybe we're even going to see in a special personal encounter where I'm going to come and visit you in Palm Springs. Let's try to work that out. I, I, my lips are sealed. <laughs> All right, darling. Thank you I'll so much. Bye. Bye, bye. Mwah. was a high-flying flutie. Delilah needed 17 phones. Don't phone her, there isn't any more. Delilah, Delilah Jones. Delilah Jones, Delilah Jones. Her story is sad, the ending was bad. Delilah Jones. Delilah, Delilah. She let a no good guy beguile her Delilah, weep for Delilah The devil got a lease on her bones
and bum from Biloxi. Delilah nicely gives him a frost. But Sammy, he blew some crazy notes and whammy. Delilah's lost. Delilah was lost. Delilah was lost. Delilah was lost. Delilah was lost. That fiery doll turned into a mall that he double crossed. Delilah, Delilah, she let a no good guy beguile her. Delilah, we for Delilah. Delilah was completely lost. Sparkling stones. Then he left her when all the dough was gone. He dropped her. Delilah Jones. Delilah Jones. Delilah Jones. Delilah Jones. Delilah Jones. She filled him with lead until he was dead and out of her bones. Delilah, Delilah. She let an old good guy beguile her. Delilah, we fought. She got her final view. And finally, the moment has come to talk to one of the most beautiful legends inside and out that I have ever met, Delilah Jones. She was born in Berlin, so my dear uh, German listeners, you have the honor to have a German burlesque legend with us today. She went to the United States and became a superstar there, and uh, she became an amazing pinup, the most photographed pinup of 1959, featuring over 75 magazines, 25 comics, covers, etc, etc, etc. I mean, your career has been just so amazing, but what amazes me the most is your love for life. So welcome to Burlesque on Air, Delilah Jones. Hi, how are you doing? This is Delilah for calling from Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh my God, we are so honored to have you on air with us. Look, Delilah, I had the honor to be in Las Vegas in the audience in 2013 during the Burlesque Hall of Fame when you did your big yeah. comeback. And I mean, that <laughs> Grand Philippe... That was, that was so funny. After 38 years back on stage, that was hilarious for me. It was just amazing. And what made it so good was I had at least 50 of my old time friends over there, at least, you know. I knew half of the people that were there at the time that were performing or in the audience. Uh, and a lot of my old friends supported me because it was really very funny after 38 years, you know. Most people weren't even born when I gave up, you know. <sighs> So it, it was an amazing night, and uh, I didn't do the next year, but I did last year just a walk-on uh, with a couple of my old-timer time friends, and uh, this year I'm just going to do a walk-on because it takes so much time to put on a show. Well, I so really want to take all the time, you know. Oh, and, and so... But anyway... Um, but I mean, um, wait, you have to... You have to... You have to you have to let me finish because I need to describe to our listeners that beautiful okay. Grand Filippo dress that was suiting you so well, that black and that sort of purple-pink colors. You were just looking amazing. And most of all, what yeah. really struck me was your smile and your elegance on stage. And I mean, those legs, do we want to talk about them? You look amazing. Yeah, really. The outfit that I wore was the original outfit from Enter the Night, a huge Las Vegas show that, uh, well, I think, I don't know if it was from the Lido or uh, one of the huge hotels, and that was the original outfit that Felipe uh, um, bought and had himself, and uh, he let me use it for that show. So that was really neat because it all blended in together. How wonderful. I, lo I loved it. I loved your performance. I loved your big comeback. But let's go back to the beginnings. Delilah, where were you born? Tell us your story. Tell us how did you even became a burlesque performer? Let's go back to when you were a kid in Germany, in the Nazi Germany, right? Yeah, well, I was born 1941 in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I was World War II. 
And uh, my birth certificate has two swastikas on it to show that I'm authentic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, of course, I was in Berlin when we we got bombed, and uh, my whole family. Uh, ran out of the building, actually not out of the building, but we had like little bunkers or cellars or some kind of uh, underground passages. So uh, every time the uh, airplanes came to bomb Berlin, they used to have the sirens on. So we were just uh, running for cover when they bombed the building and we were running underneath the buildings about three blocks out where we were then safe. But we went out with our, just with our clothes on and um, I remember my father carried me out and it was the only time I ever remembered my father, but I don't remember what he looked like. He had no face in because I was only three years old at the time. But um, at, uh, then my, my father went into a Russian prison where he later on died because he was fighting for Germany. And uh, a half a year later, still in the war, uh, my brother died because we couldn't get a doctor. He fell out of bed, I think. And... Uh, we were, you know, we were running. Anybody that was in Berlin at the time, you know, you were just running and running from one place to another. And uh, so it was a very rough and tough childhood, but uh, I always kept going forward. I never looked back of feeling sorry for myself or anybody else. I just kept going, you know. And I think that got me through life, uh, okay. But uh, as general, I always liked uh, basically the... Uh, uh, American movies, even though we got bombed by uh, Americans uh, on all the walls, they always used to put army go home. That means like Americans get lost, go back home, you know. <laughs> but um, there was a movie that always stuck with me, and it was, uh, I think it was Maria Little. It was a very famous German Berlin uh, or German actress. And there was a song, she played a saloon girl, and uh, she had a saloon dress on and showed her legs. And the song, the name of the song was Das Machen nur die Beine von Dolores. <laughs> and I always had that in my mind since I was a little, little girl. And I always wanted to do that in my life. But little did I know that later on it actually would come true. So... Make long story short, I uh, finished my school in Germany and uh, I went into Modeschule, which is all kinds of fashion, fashion modeling, fashion designing, fashion sketching, everything to do with fashion. So I was a full-fledged uh, good student and I finished uh, some of my, uh, my years in Berlin and then I came to Canada where I continued. I stayed for a year and a half in Canada. We got sponsored uh, by my sister's uh, in-laws. And um, so I came to America, in, to, I arrived in Hollywood in 58, and um, I uh, did some fashion, and I came across a man in the studio, which was a photographer, and he advertised figamaras, and I thought, not speaking good English, I thought figure was like bathing suits, underwear, you know, something with your body. I had no idea it was uh, pinups and moves. <laughs> so anyway... I was kind of shocked that I got there because everything was nude in there. Not that it bothered me because I, I was in a nudist camp in Berlin. So nothing bothered me as far as nudity was concerned. But it was a shock because I thought it was a fashion studio. But so anyway, wait, uh, uh, we got to talk to each other and he was the one, his name was Kai Spears, and he introduced me to the the pinup modeling, uh, which I did for uh, a long time. And uh, uh, he introduced me to the best photographers like Peter Gowland, Maria Cazzelli, all the big famous. I, I was almost all of them. And uh, I did that for a year. And I was kind of over-publicized by the end of the year because I was never tried to... Uh, I never tried to uh, waste the day, so any time a photographer did work with me, I didn't care about seven, eight days in a row, I didn't care. I just accepted all the offers. So anyway, towards the end of the year, my, uh, my uh, Scottish Spears, the uh, photographer, became a good friend of mine and kind of my agent also. So he said to me, it's time now for you to change and look for the future. So I couldn't get that at all because I thought I was good a model for the rest of my life. <laughs> so anyway, he introduced me, this is 1959 still, and he introduced me to the, he took me to the best 
most famous uh, nightclub in Hollywood, which was called the Club Largo. <laughs> and uh, he introduced me to a candy bar in Tempest Storm. So these were my huge idols as far as Bullock was concerned. And um, so it took me a long time. I didn't think I would ever have enough to get on stage. I had no problem posing or doing. I did a couple of stack movies with uh, um, that uh, Tempest Storm did with Betty Page and yeah. uh, the same photographer. So I was kind of comfortable by being in front of live people. Uh, was a little bit different. So it took me three months before I actually went on stage. And I had a very famous girl teaching me, which was uh, Stacey Farrell. Mm-hmm. And my first job was the adventure in Hollywood in Los Angeles. And lo and behold, I was at the right time there when I met Denise and she and she worked in the same place that I was supposed to open. So this started out really good because I worked with the best at the same time because I was just lucky that I was there at the same time. So anyway, all the people that were working there, most of the people that I met at that place in 1959 at the are still friends of mine who are still alive. So anyway, so I worked there, then I went to Hollywood and uh, I worked in basically in all the best places. I uh, opened up the uh, body shop in uh, 62 and, uh, but before that I worked at the Lago for two years, which was my kind of dream for that time, but I didn't think I was able to do it, but I did pull it through because I wasn't that talented at the time, but at least I had grace because of my modeling. And I was, luckily I was pretty enough, so you can overlook if I didn't have any talent. (laughs) So I basically kind of modeled the first uh, few weeks uh, on stage, uh, uh, you know, and then got a little bit more in sex appeal because I started to watch everybody. (laughs) And... um, during that time also, in 1960, in Hollywood, all the movie stars were always coming to the places. I was, uh, I actually uh, met uh, Johnny Weissmuller there, and uh, he used to sing to me, Do Do Lixnum Helps, and it's a beautiful German song, and it was so beautiful, so touching. And uh, also I met uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe three months before she died. Really? And, uh, all the movie stars, basically in Hollywood, it was a, a common thing at that time that the movie stars were around strip joints or uh, all kinds of nightclubs and whatnot. So, um, and then um, one thing led into another. Uh, after years, uh, things changed. And uh, when I started, we had to wear pasties. Four pens, panels, stockings, net stockings, net bars. So we had to be very fully covered. In 65, the Google came in and everything changed. The pasties came off, we were topless, the pens came off, we had key strings and everything. And then the Batusi and all the fast music came in and the live music went out. We, we used to dance to orchestra. At least the three piece band, anyway. And uh, so then everything became like uh, uh, stereo sound effects. I mean, it was really hard for us to switch over. It was very rough at the beginning. But um, anyway, so the new generation came in, and it kind of, by 69, it deteriorated because then the bottomless came in, and that I never wanted to do in my life. So I started to go on the road. And on the road means I traveled here and there and came back and traveled here and there. My boss liked me so much and he says, anytime you come back to Lila, you can keep your G-string on. You don't have to take it all off. And ah. I did that so, uh, I was always lucky that usually the bosses used to like me. There was a couple of them that didn't like me, but that was okay. That was when I was on the road. I clashed with of all people, a German guy that uh, owned a nightclub in Illinois. For some reason, we couldn't see eye to eye. He was old-time German, and I became very American German. Ah! <laughs> but um, anyway, so I went on the road, and um, I loved to travel. My first, uh, one of my first things was in Arizona, and uh, where I met the love of my life, and uh, uh, also into. Uh, let me see. Uh, I flew into Albuquerque. And, Kansas and all kinds of little things. And then I came back home and then I started to get restless. I lived in California, but when I traveled, I always was like, it was always good to get away. Sometimes it was good to come home. Sometimes I like to stay on the road. You know, it depends on where I was. But anyway, so um, 
I uh, traveled and uh, then I stayed back in Hollywood uh, where I met, uh, I did a work on, on uh, Diane Shore show. We kind of pulled a joke on her. We uh, wished a happy birthday and here I came out as a stripper trying to make her laugh and it was funny. Uh, Bert Reynolds invited me and then he sent me a picture of himself uh, to thank me for all of that. And uh, so um, I uh, then I went on the road again. I got restless once I was in Hollywood for a couple of years. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to travel anymore. So, but then the my boss died at the body shop and the Arabs took over. And I mean, I hate to say it, but they were the roughest people. Yeah. Uh, there were two. Two of them. They were nice and normal. The rest of them were all. It was unbelievable. I shouldn't even want to describe what I felt about them and what they were, you know. And but two of them were very nice, and one of them always used to tell me, "Your sister Lila, not all Arabs are bad, but these were really bad that I worked for, you know." So anyway, I had to get out of town, so I went to. Um, I took my girlfriend in Chicago with me, and we went on the road to Canada of all things. I went all the way up to Labrador. So. Uh, and then I came back after three months, and uh, I just didn't want to stay in Hollywood anymore. So then my girlfriend called me, she says, come to Las Vegas, there's a show opening up. Uh, so anyway, I came back up, uh, but I knew the owner there because in 72, I worked there to the show in Vegas, the wildest show uh, in Las Vegas, I uh, was uh, starring in it. And that's where I met Angel Walker, Satan's Angel, in 72. <laughs> and then... Um, so it's so by, by, by 77, so I came there for two weeks and I stayed there the rest of my life. So <laughs> we, I got along with my boss so well. He uh, uh, kept me and uh, three years later he asked me uh, if I wanted to uh, run the place and be the manager because he didn't want to have a male person running the place. So I said, sure, you know, because he, he knew I liked all the girls and I got along with the girls. So... Anyway, I became the manager of the, one of the most uh, beautiful places, strip places in uh, Las Vegas, which was the Las Palace, uh, Cabaret de Las Palace. And so I gave up stripping in 1981. So that was a long time ago. And, um, <laughs> but you had a long, long, long career, a wonderful career full of success. And mostly, I mean, everyone has a sweet word about you. It seems like you have less left such a nice and sweet and good impression really on everyone and everyone was just finding you so easy to work with and such a sweetheart so it's really nice that uh, uh, for especially we have just interviewed Satan's Angel about you and she just has the sweetest memories of you and she said how sweet <laughs> you were and as well how uh, every owner of the club just wanted to keep you with them forever <laughs> But I want to go back a little bit because you have, I mean, you have told your life in about 10 minutes now and it's amazing to hear. But let's go back to the beginnings and this first pin. Yeah, and this before I forget, I wanted, I have, I put my whole life into a book that I, that yes, now it's called uh, uh, My Life Without, Without Regret. And it is from occupied Nazi Germany to Las Vegas Stripper. Yes. So that's basically. Uh, everything I just told you only in more details and also the same time like I gave up uh, stripping for 38 years and when I met the love of my life in 72 in, in uh, uh, Arizona I we were apart for 30 or 40 years and we're now together again so wow. that, was, that was a big thing in my life you know oh, I changed in 19 uh, in 2013 <laughs> I want to go back to the story, but before because uh, I love, I just love listening to your love stories of the legends. You have always such amazing lovers and adventures, and f as well fans, of course. But uh, before that, I really, really want to go back to this first pinup picture that you took. How old were you, and how did it happen? And as well, I would really like you to give a few advices to our listeners, to the burlesque performer that listen to us, and to the pinup models that model nowadays on how can they just show this perfect picture in front of the camera. So let's go back to this first pinup picture that you took. How old were you? Who was the photographer? And how were you feeling? Um, well, feeling was not bad because, like I said, I was in the nudist column, uh, ecologist in Germany, so it didn't bother me at all. Uh, but uh, it was a little bit awkward because I didn't know... 
I was an immigrant. I mean, I had my green card at the time. However, I was 18, so I was underage, so I didn't want to really mess anything up and be deported or something, you know. So I was a little bit scared about that, but not about posing. And I was 18 at the time, just turned 18. <laughs> and uh, But I started uh, taking snapshots and posing when I was 17, but they were never publicized. But uh, because of the uh, area that I was in at the time, and uh, the photographers, it, that's what made the difference in everything. And uh, and a lot of the models that I worked for or with, they uh, took me under their wings more or less and showed me how to do how to do your makeup, how to do the hair, how to pose and all that, <laughs> you know. So I had help all the, all along and I was a good student. I was, you know, trying to see what looks the best and that's what I went after. How wonderful. So if you had to give an, if you had to be the mentor for a girl today, what you, what would you tell her? How should her hair be? How should her makeup be? And what should be the secret of a perfect pinup pose? Now the first thing, no tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, you know, again, uh, we had beautiful people to look at, like the Hollywood movie stars. Just go back to the movie stars, you know, in the 50s and 60s. The 60s changed already, so more or less in the 50s. They had the prettiest women in Hollywood. And just take an example how to be feminine, yes. self-clothing, you know, and uh, just take an example and watch those people, you know. Nowadays, you don't have anything nice that I can think of right now that I would no. uh, like to uh, make myself after, you know. So when you were, we, yeah. We, we were not allowed to have any scars on the bodies or most likely no tattoos because then it all had to be covered up all the time. Ooh. We had to be perfect in our days, you know. Ooh. And, uh, and if, I, if I would gain two or three pounds, I would get a lubrication until I lose it. And the same with really? some 10 uh, marks, you know, we couldn't have any marks on the body. Wow. Yeah, because quite often there's this misconception the models weren't underneath that much pressure as they are today, but that's not true because you had a lot of pressure on you on, for your body to be perfect all the time, right? Well, we had, we had, I had a child raised that way. So when I, when I turned, like, to see, I, I stopped at 81 and I was like uh, the end of 30 going on 40 almost. And, uh, yeah, uh, I thought that uh, I was too old to dance, you know, and that was 40 years ago. <laughs> but nowadays they do what they want to do. And it's, in a way, it's nice. It's refreshing for the new generation. But, uh, you know, it's not the way I was raised. You know, we had to be perfect or you get a vacation or, they, or you can work in the better clubs, you know. Yeah. And tell me, when you were, I mean, who was your pinup idol before you started modeling? Who were you looking as like the, you know, the woman that you were inspiring America, to be? Yeah, yeah we had Rita Havers, Avogadro, Luce Taylor, Hedy Lamar, Jennifer Jones, all the, you know, the big, beautiful movie stars. It's, uh, you know, anybody that can uh, look at the... Uh, movie stars in those days, you then they understand what I'm talking about. And mm. they, mostly, a lot of Turner was another one. And it always the flowing soft clothing on. You know, you never, we didn't wear any leather pants or <laughs> this and that, not, you know. And you couldn't look hard, you know. Uh, everything had to be soft and feminine in those days, you know. And you were mastering okay. the art of femininity in with absolute perfection. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, we had to be, you know. It didn't work out all the time, but we had to be if we wanted to be in that type of uh, crowd, you know. How wonderful. And so when you started burlesque, uh, Eartha Quake taught you the secrets of the art of teas, right? Who did? Eartha Quake? Yeah, Eartha Quake. Her mother, her, oh no, Eartha Quake was, uh, I think it was uh, Stacey Farrell. Yeah, that's the one that taught me, it took me three months, because, and then I had to get a whole set of gowns, I had to get a routine, I had to have live music, I had to uh, kind of know how to take a glove off, uh, sexy and slow, not just like flip it off and uh, like to the beat, one, two, three, and then off, no, 
you know, we had to play with every aisle. Uh, we, we do 20 minute shows, number one. I know, and, uh, I know. We do three or four minutes. <laughs> so we, we took our time, you know, and uh, it took a long time. It took me three months before I went on stage. Nowadays, they put a, uh, some, uh, any, anywhere like Friends of Hollywood, which I modeled for five years, by the way. And uh, then they throw something on in one stage, and that's it. You know, that's uh, we had to be really professional in our days. So it was totally different. Wow. And tell yeah. me a little bit. I mean, all this was, of course, serious. But there must have been very funny moments in the backstages and out of the stage. Probably with some very insisting fan and man being in love with you. Were there any funny stories? Yeah, oh, there are so many, so many. <laughs> one that just came up, uh, and it's right now on the internet too. And uh, 77, I think it was, or 78, around that time, we took one of our girls uh, had a, a pilot license. She was a commercial pilot. And um, she, uh, the city, our ex-city councilman of Las Vegas, Steve Miller, he had uh, an airline school. He taught and he had his own airplanes. So one day we decided to take the two planes, one from our stripper, which was Jen Fontaine, which was Fontaine Airlines, and then Steve Miller's uh, class. So we went on the Karen Airport, which is the international airport here in Las Vegas. And now this is back in the 70s, okay? We were on the main runway. Uh, next to the runway when a 747 was taking off and we were all, we had six, seven strippers on top of the airplanes posing in the nude and topless. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes the 747 and the, the pilots were just laughing and they say it took them five minutes to take off to strap the people back in the, the seats again. You could never do that nowadays. That was before the mafia was still in in those days. It changed to 1980, but in 70s, it was good. So then somebody says, well, you better call the police. So, well, sure, they called the police, but we knew everybody from the police department. <laughs> the only complaint the police department had was that they weren't there for the old shoot. They only came at the end of it. <laughs> but um, at that time, we knew most of the people in the police department, and some of them even married some of our strippers. Uh, <laughs> Oh God. Yeah, we had so many funny stories, you know. So you were telling me that at one point you met the love of your life in Arizona, right? Tell yeah. us a little bit more. I mean, I guess you had many lovers, did you? But then this we man... Had- yeah. It's all in my book, yeah. But uh, um, I was married at the time, and we got too much involved, so I had to make a choice. Either leave my husband or leave him, one of the two. But I was already so settled in California, so I tried to go on the road and try to, you know, clear my mind and um, see what I was going to do. So I took off the whole uh, six months of this, this one summer in 74. And uh, so... I just decided just to go home and see what happens. And then I was going to see him again. And then um, I figured, well, it's too much time went by, like over six months, eight months. You know, if I go back now and hear somebody else, that would really not go well over with me. You know, so I figured I'll let it be and let it be a mystery, you know. So, but then for some reason, we always somehow <laughs> got connected again and knew what we were doing or because another girlfriend of mine was there at the same time and uh, she always kept us in touch. So, but being long story short, 40 years later, all happened in 1913, uh, 2013, <laughs> the same year when I uh, did my uh, comeback show and that's when we met. And uh, then he came back and we been together ever since so, oh so my beautiful it's all in my book too so yeah oh my god I mean oh this is also exciting and it's, it's so so touching so you should never stop believing in love and in the magic of um, the unexpected encounters and um, yeah how wonderful how amazing and uh, mm-hmm. let's let's continue your career and as well uh, what was your last show, and how did it? How did it? Did you know that that was your last show? That that would be your last show? How did you feel on stage? So that was 1981, right? Yeah, 
Uh-huh. And how was sort of, yeah, the exit, your exit from stage and from the show? I mean, of course, then you uh, became a manager of clubs, but uh, uh, the exit from your showgirl life uh, as a performer. Relieved, I think, you know, because like I said, when I grew up and the places I work, it had to be always, pre- uh, uh, always perfect. And when I stopped dancing, I said, oh, good, now I can eat. I don't have to worry about when I can eat and when I go on stage, you know. <laughs> So that part was funny. That's why I had to laugh. <laughs> but um, I didn't miss it at all, ever. Never looked back because really? uh, I was still in the same environment, except for I didn't have to go back up on stage. Uh, yeah. Look at what time said I just, uh, yeah, I wanted to. And then I said, no, nah, I'm glad I'm down here now, you know. But uh, then, of course, uh, it changed a couple of years or three years later. The poor dancers came in. Yeah. And then I really didn't want to have nothing to do with it. I didn't even tell. So, uh, by that time, I had to do, uh, my boss left me the whole club I, to run by itself. So I had to do the hiring, the firing, the payroll, the ordering and everything, you know. So all this new generation, I didn't even tell that I was in, in the business, you know. Oh. Or that I had modeled or anything. I didn't tell anybody. But... Um, because I really didn't want to have nothing to do with the pole dancers because they considered themselves strippers. I said, you're not a stripper, you're a pole dancer. They couldn't get it, you know. <laughs> and um, so it was almost like a little clashing there, you mm-hmm. know. But you get used to anything, you know. But when something new comes in, you have to uh, really try to accept it, you know, mm-hmm. because it's a new way of life. Everything changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. Kind of, but I, like I said, I never missed it. And... Uh, uh, of course, in 2006, um, I met Laura, Luke and Laura, who were doing the reunion of uh, Old Time Burlesque Legends. Yes. Which, uh, <laughs> so I've been, I attended every one of them since 2006. Wow. And uh, at that time... Um, but wait, let me just let me just stop you for one little moment. So basically between 1981 and 2006, you managed clubs and then... Did you just retire? Did you ever did you ever think that no, someone I, would I retired in, in ninety five or yeah. ninety six. Ninety six maybe. And so from ninety six to two thousand and six, did you ever believe that someone would I mean that someone would be interested again in burlesque and they would be interested again in seeing you showgirls from the oh God, 50th? No, no would never enter my mind. I would never in my life think I would ever do it. Never uh, ever because I figured if you're not good enough to go up, I, I always thought I was never good enough to go up again because it's the way I was raised, you know. <gasps> and uh, I figured I'd let it be for the new generation. I just didn't want no part of it. But then all my friends did it. And we were always around, you know, because we were always together here. And, uh, of course, for the last 10 years before that, I took care of my invalid mother. So I didn't have the time either mm-hmm. besides anything else, you mm-hmm. know. So... But my mother passed away at the beginning of the year, and then the girls talked to me, and says, now you got the time, you've got to do a show with us. So that's how that came all about. So then we went to, we flew into Albuquerque, where they had a vengeance thing. So then they kind of got me back into it, and uh, that's uh, finally talked me into it. And I thought, oh, yeah, it started to get exciting then, you know. <laughs> but I did it once, and uh, then, like I said, I did a couple of walk-ons, and I do this year, and yeah. I walk on, uh, which is more like, like a catwalk, you know, like Yes, yes, suit. yes. And uh, I want to do a whole show, it's too much time right now, and uh, I, I just do better with that. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky that also that I can sell all my old pictures from the 50s, which is now a collectible item, which is to be so funny, you know? Oh, it's great. And you have, I mean so many pictures like every single day you post like a new one on Facebook and they're so amazing your legs are endless your boobs are so perfect and your beautiful face and smile I mean I'm so it's amazing just really really amazing (laughs) and so (laughs) and so when you got back together with all the girls and uh, I mean uh, yeah, how did you feel in all the new generations being interested in you, the legends, and being so curious about your stories? And well, I tell you, the new generation uh, of uh, dancers are very, very warm people, very warm. You know, uh, 
we kind of when I grew up, but it was a little bit like uh, uh, petty and pettiness or jealousy, a lot of jealousy because everybody wanted to be the star of the show, you know. Mm-hmm. As long as everybody was like when when we worked in an all-star show, that was good. But if you just have one star, one feature, and the rest of them uh, not, then there's a lot of jealousy there, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this new generation, they're all born very extremely warm and nice people, you know, and they want to know this, they want to know that, and, you know, they're curious. And they really don't have that much to look uh, up to. And I don't think, and you have two different classes right now. you got the new generation that do be as you are and feel good about yourself, doesn't matter how big you are Mm -hmm. or what you look like. And, of course, tattoos are all over the place right now. And then you have the real good professional ones, real, real great ones. Then I consider them more show people than strippers because mm-hmm. uh, they, they put on a good show. They put on a real fantastic, flawless show. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that they do not, and my feeling, it feels like they're a little bit up, snub, how can I say it, snub nose, more up the up. They don't talk too much to the newer generation that do mm. their own thing, you know. Mm. I think there's a little gap between there. And um, uh, it's just my feeling of it. Because, you know, since I was little, I always watched people. That was my whole thing in life because I kind of raised myself, uh, which uh, I explained in the book. So I was always watching. My whole life was watching, mm. you know. So I always get a feeling of, you know, when something is not, Right or which way it goes, you know. <laughs> but uh, the uh, uh, the new generation—they're they're really fun people. They're really fun people. <laughs> we are. And I mean, I guess we get even funnier and in a better mood when we are surrounded by you legends. And uh, of course, I personally cannot wait to be in Las Vegas in June to see you again and meet you and uh, talk to you. And uh, the Burlesque Hall of Fame is such a great opportunity to be in touch with you ladies and be able to hear your stories and of course buy your pictures and um, support you. Um, uh, by the way, I'm- I'm working now on my second book, which is I know. I know. My pen up years into burlesque with all pictures throughout the book and just little. You see, and my regular book, you only have a certain amount of pictures, and then it's more the story of my life. However, the next book is called "We Are All Pictures and Very Little Writing." How amazing. So the first book, let's uh, remind it to our audience. It's called My Life Without Regrets, From Occupied Nazi Germany to Las Vegas Stripper. I mean, just this sentence make you understand already how crazy your life and wonderful your life is. And of course, it's, a, and of course it's available on, on eBay. I sell it myself on eBay. Uh, Perfect. And uh, so, so you sell it directly yourself in e- on eBay? Yeah, on so, eBay. And Amazon, the publishing company, uh, sells it, and uh, it's, it's really not to my benefit. Oh, so okay. I sell it on my own on eBay. Perfect. So you can purchase it from eBay directly from the hands, the golden oh, hands yeah, of the oh, Lyle yeah. Jones. Only that I can sign it myself. Oh. <laughs> All right, we have come to the end of this interview. I mean, I could every single time when I arrive at the end of the interviews with the legends, I'm so sad because I wish we could just talk and say so, so many more things. But maybe, who knows, we're going to have a second episode with you in the future. Anyway, your stories are amazing. I am pretty much sure that there are so, so many more that we didn't have the chance to tell tonight uh, on the radio. Thank you so much for being with us, darling Delilah Jones. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for sharing your wonderful life with us. Okay. And uh, okay. if you, mm-hmm. go on, go ahead. <laughs> and if you have maybe one last thought for our audience, one little pearl of wisdom from you to our listeners, please share with us. Yeah, I, it's it's a pleasure for me to just be connected with my old home again because I was born. Uh, and I will live most of my life in uh, Tiergarten. Uh. And also, by the way, I have a drawing that I did when I was 10 years old. It's still hanging in City Hall uh, with my maiden name, Joyce Gorka. Are they still uh, there? It's still hanging there because my aunt told me that five years ago, she says, you know, that your picture is still hanging there. And there was, what I did was I, I uh, drew Robin Caruso 
Marvel and Caruso on an island with long white hair, long fingernails. So that was still hanging there. So I was always good in drawing, you know. But it's so good to to uh, stay in touch with my. Uh, I still have a lot of uh, family in Berlin, and uh, uh, it has changed so much that uh, I do miss it. The Berlin Zoo was my really my good, interesting childhood that I had there. Uh, that's the only thing I really ever missed because I grew up in such a bad time after the war and took until like 1980 till they, uh, grew, till, uh, Berlin was uh, built up again or at least semi. And um, so, uh, you know, but I always look at my old pictures and it's been it's been nice that I came out of it alive and, and helped mentally and physically, you know. Wonderful, wonderful. But anyway, I'm happy to see you again in a couple of months. It's yes, <laughs> yes. So see you in June. We might continue with this interview then eyes to eyes. Thank you so much for being with us tonight and many, many kisses. See you soon. And uh, a big goodbye from Berlin, from Germany that still loves you. We still love you here and think about you and you're our, our big idol here. And we love you, love you, love you. Yeah, and there's a, there's a German song that uh, when I left, it says, Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was always my little song that I uh, remembered, you know. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. Have a good day. Love you. Bye. 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 Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Wunderschön ist in Paris auf der Rue Madeleine. Schön ist es im Mai in Rom durch die Stadt zu gehen. Oder einer Sommernacht still beim Wein in Wien. Doch ich häng, wenn ich auch lach, heut noch an Berlin. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Deswegen muss ich nächstens wieder hin. Die Seligkeiten vergangene Zeiten sind alle noch in meinem kleinen Koffer drin. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Der bleibt auch dort und das hat seinen Sinn. Auf dieser Weise lohnt sich die Reise. Denn wenn ich Sehnsucht hab, dann fahr ich wieder hin. Luna Park und Wellenbad, kleiner Bär im Zoo. mit Wasserrad, Tage hell und froh. Werde, wenn die Bäume blühen, Park von Sanssouci. Kinder, schön war doch Berlin. Ich vergesse es nie. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Deswegen muss ich nächstens wieder hin. Die Seligkeiten vergangener Zeiten sind alle noch in meinem kleinen Koffer drin. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin, der bleibt auch dort und das hat seinen Sinn. Auf diese Weise lohnt sich die Reise, denn wenn ich Sehnsucht hab, dann fahr ich wieder hin.
unfortunately come to the end of this episode. What an amazing story. What an amazing woman. Weren't you impressed, Suzanne? Yeah, I'm super impressed. Uh, yeah, that she came from Germany and that all her adventures then in the USA. Yeah, fantastic. And this love of life that Delilah Jones has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you for listening, our dear listeners. The next episode is going to be aired on the 11th of May. As usual, 8 p.m. on Alex Radio. And we're looking forward to spending time with you <laughs> and spending time with the legends of burlesque and sharing uh, her, um, their amazing stories with you listeners. I hope you're enjoying our radio show. Follow us in our adventures on facebook.com slash burlesconair and on www.burlesconair.com. See you next month, our darlings. And responsible for this show is me, Suzanne, and irresponsible as usual, Lara. <laughs> Bye. Bye.